This morning I'm going to start off with a scripture, and it's on your screen in front of you. Uh, this scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 25. And it says this, and this is the contemporary English version of it. It says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And again, Matthew 16, 25, this one is the contemporary English version. Uh, I encourage you to look at and read various different versions of Scripture. It, it, it's a, just a, a nice way to help us to understand some of the things that uh, the Bible teaches us. The reason we're looking at this one today is because it's one of the most misunderstood uh, Scriptures you know, if we were to make a compile a list of, of the scripture verses that, you know, seem kind of contradictory or they just don't make a lot of sense, you know, this is one of the ones that would be at the top of it. He's talking about hanging on to your life. You're going to lose it by, by putting your efforts there. Uh, but if you give it up, then you save it. Well, that just doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes. We're going to take a look today uh, at a couple of individuals. Uh, just like we always or have last week in this series. Uh, this week we're going to take a look at uh, the characters of Judas and of the Apostle Paul. You know, for many of us, for many of us, we have this feeling, and I've had this conversation with people before, where we almost feel like, you know, the, the apostles, the disciples, the people that were there with Jesus during those three and a half years of his ministry, they almost have an unfair advantage over you and I today uh, because they were there to witness what Jesus did. They were there to hear the stories, to hear the comments. They were here, there to, to witness all of the things that he did. And you and I, from today's perspective, we can look at that and say, well, you know, if I had been there and I had seen all the things that they saw and I had experienced all the things that they experienced, it would be easier for me today to believe in this Jesus that I've never talked to. I've never heard his voice. I've never held his hand. I've never sat down by a campfire and, and ate fish with him or whatever. You know, it's it, it, we just have that feeling today that they're, they're at a or we are at a disadvantage over those people that were with Jesus. If you think about it, you know, all of the disciples that, that Jesus uh, called into ministry with him, they all died for their faith in Jesus. So certainly they had a strong, strong faith. Well, all of them died because of that faith except for one. And that's the first one I want to talk about today, and that is Judas. What do we know about this Judas? Well, the, the life of Judas Iscariot is mentioned in the Bible uh, 22 different times. And because of this, we have to look at Judas and ask certain questions. You know, what did Jesus have to say about this guy? Uh, did he repent after he, you know, betrayed Jesus, Judas or Jesus did he did he repent of that betrayal uh, like the uh, disciple Peter did after Peter denied Jesus three times he came back to Jesus and was forgiven 
you know, did Judas do the same thing? How did Judas die? You know, Judas, I think, in, in, in at least my estimation, is probably the most unfortunate biblical character that there is. And he actually had a very tough way to go because he ended up becoming a pawn in this war that Satan uh, was waging against God. There is an old, old tradition. It's not a biblical one, but it is a historical tradition that says that, that Jesus knew Judas when they were both younger. You know, that there was a time period. He just Jesus didn't just stumble across this guy one day and say, hey, follow me. No, that maybe they grew up in the same area or the same town or whatever. But there was a tradition that says that they did have some knowledge of each other uh, prior to, you know, Judas becoming old enough and Jesus growing older to, to actually fall into or go into his ministry. You know, while scripture is somewhat silent about Judas before he became a disciple, it does tell us a few things about him. Judas was one of the 12 apostles, one of the 12 disciples. The surname Iscariot is believed to mean uh, a man of murder. You know, how would you like that one attached to your name? You know, Joe Iscariot, that wouldn't be good at all. We know that Judas was in charge of the group's money and that he regularly stole from it and he was a liar and he was deceitful and he was greedy. We know that he was called a traitor and a betrayer during the, the Passover meal that Jesus celebrated uh, with his disciples in that room that night. We know that Judas was prepared to pretend to honor Jesus even though he was only there for his own selfish purposes. Judas, sorry, Judas was referred to as a devil, as a son of perdition by Jesus. And Jesus made a comment that it would have been better if he never had been born. Now, one of the really super interesting things about Judas is that Christ not only knew he would be betrayed, but he handpicked his betrayer. He stated, you know, to the disciples one day, he says, Did I not choose you twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He did. He knew that he was going to be betrayed, and he knew he would do it, and he chose Judas to follow him in ministry and to be exposed to all of the things that, that uh, he was going to do. We also know from Scripture that Judas was possessed. At one point, uh, at the uh, Passover meal, that uh, Satan entered into Judas. And Jesus, you know, told him, go and do what you got to do and, and do it quickly. And, you know, and Judas uh, uh, betrayed Jesus and for a simple 30 pieces of silver. Now, the aftermath of that whole thing, you know, certainly it left Judas feeling really bad. Uh, and he tried unsuccessfully to return the money back to the temple priest to return that bribe that he had taken. But the self-hate within himself continued to grow. And even though he gave back the money, he felt remorse 
for his actions. He knew that he had sinned. He knew that he had betrayed Jesus. But his sorrow didn't change his heart. He didn't experience true repentance, kind of like Peter did. Remember when Peter denied Jesus three times and Jesus ended up restoring Peter. But Judas didn't have that. He didn't have a change of heart. He simply felt really bad about what he did, and then he committed suicide. Now, it's easy for many of us to consider Judas maybe as a villain or a victim, but Judas was a follower of Jesus. That's how he started. He was a preacher of the gospel. But there was a double-mindedness about him, and that's what got him into trouble. And in the end, he ended up abandoning the faith that he started out with. Now, there's three things, I, three other noteworthy things that I really want us to focus on this morning and to understand as we compare these two people, as we compare Judas uh, and the Apostle Paul. Number one, Judas made a commitment. There's no reason for us to believe that the original commitment uh, of following Jesus, of committing his life to Jesus in faith, we have no reason to believe that it wasn't a, a sincere thing that he did. Like the rest of the disciples, Judas left everything in order to follow Jesus. Judas was active in the ministry of the disciples and of Jesus. He was even given these remarkable spiritual gifts. You know, Jesus had called the 12 disciples together one day, and, and this included Judas, and he told him, you know, I'm giving you power over and authority over all of the demons. And he sent them out, and they cured diseases, and they proclaimed the kingdom of God in the areas that each, each of them went. Uh, they healed people. They cast out demons. They talked about Jesus and the coming kingdom of God. And they preached. And Judas was part of that. However, you know, it brings up an interesting point. And that is that being actively involved in ministry, you know, that's a good and a great and a wonderful thing. But it is not. It is not in itself a guarantee of a true spiritual life or spiritual health. Not at all. You can be involved in ministry and doing all these wonderful things, but if your heart hasn't been changed, you're wasting your time. The second noteworthy thing that I want to encourage you to think about here and with Judas is about the opportunities that he was given. You know, Judas walked with Jesus for three, three and a half years. He, he, he saw the greatest life that was ever lived up close and personal. I don't think you can have a better model than that. Judas was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. Judas was one of the ones that helped to gather up all the leftovers in the baskets. Judas was there when, uh, when Jesus calmed the storm and Peter stepped out of the boat. Judas was there too, watching all this. 
Judas was there when Jesus finally made it to the tomb of Lazarus. And the stone was rolled away and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Judas was there for that one too. Now again, I don't think I don't think you could have a better teaching, you know, experience outside of what Judas received in walking with Jesus for two or I'm sorry, three, three and a half years. But the problem is this, and the problem is one that we all experience, the one that we all have. In the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 17, verse 9, it kind of sums it up for us. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Makes sense to me. The human heart is just wicked. It's beyond understanding. We, we have faults. We, we don't do things all the time the way that we're supposed to. You know, many times we start off good and we end bad. It's just part of what we might consider human nature today. The third thing I want us to consider about Judas is the choice that he made. Let's think about his choices. You know, Satan was making a relentless attack on Judas for his heart and his soul. And it's easy to look at Judas and say, you know, he didn't have a chance. Satan entered into him. He just, he just didn't have a chance. But what we got to remember is that Judas was the one that opened the door for Satan to come in. You see, Judas had been stealing out of the money bag. He had been orchestrating things for his own benefit. He went and saw the chief priest and made a deal with him. He even sat down at the table with, with Christ on many occasions with sin inside of his life, inside of his heart, but he was unwilling to address it. He was unwilling to, to even talk to Jesus about the things that was going on. He, he, he just shied away from it. He buried it. Well, unfortunately, unconfessed sin always seems to open the door to the power of Satan. It really does. When you have unconfessed sin in your life, all you're doing is giving Satan a foothold. You know, Satan, he doesn't gain a foothold in the lives of people who are honestly, actively walking with Jesus. He doesn't get that foothold. He only gets that foothold when you and I, when we open the door, especially through unconfessed sin. Now, the story of Judas, it reminds us that nothing good could ever come from a person who gives up on Jesus. So don't ever do that. Yeah, don't, don't give up on what we have as our faith, what we've been taught over the years, what we read and glean out of the scriptures. Don't give up on Jesus. We, You know what? You and I might not understand it all. We might not agree with it all. But don't ever give up on him. You know, that's what we know about this guy by the name of Judas. And then there's this guy by the name of Paul. Paul was a Roman citizen. He was born in the city of Tarsus. He was born in a Jewish family to uh, a well-known and uh, Jewish family that has had status in that community. Uh, he studied under 
one of the most respected teaching lineages of the Second Temple period. Paul, he had all kinds of opportunities for learning and, and for becoming the, the most that he could become. Uh, history tells us that he also uh, studied uh, things like philosophy and sociology and law and, and history and Roman history and all these different things. And scripture tells us in Acts that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was quite the religious um, authority, if you would. We know he was a tent maker by trade, that he worked with uh, Priscilla and Aquila, the Bible tells us. Uh, he calls them his co-workers. But Paul was also a persecutor. He was a persecutor of the gospel. Paul is depicted in Acts as a persecutor of the early Jesus movement, which they called the Way. He's named as one of the ones that approved when uh, Stephen, the disciple Stephen, was stoned to death. Paul was standing there holding everybody's coat. And we know that one day on this road to Damascus, Paul had an encounter with Jesus. And through this encounter that lasted really, you know, initially on the road and then uh, a couple of days later when he couldn't see, he, was, he went through all kinds of different, different things. But this encounter overall, it taught him and showed him that Jesus truly was who he said he was. He truly was the Messiah that had come into the world for the sins of the world in order to redeem the world. Paul was eventually um, arrested in Jerusalem for those teachings uh, about Jesus and who Jesus was. And um, really the thing that got him in so much trouble was he taught people that Jesus was Lord and not Caesar. So that ended, up, ended him up in prison. He spent a couple of years. Uh, he was transferred along with the people that were traveling with him. Uh, to Caesarea, to jail, and and they sat there rotting in jail. You know, back in those days in that culture, that's one of the things that you would do as a Roman governor or a Caesar. If you had somebody that was creating problems for you, well, you arrest them and you move them to another city and you throw them in jail and you let them rot for several years until people forgot about them. That's, that was the plan. But... Paul was a Roman citizen, and not only just a Roman citizen, but a well-respected Roman citizen. So he had the right to appeal directly to Caesar. So he did. Well, it got him moved to Rome, and, and you know the story about how we read about Paul being shipwrecked and everything. You know, all that came because he was on his way to Rome to. Uh, be tried directly by Caesar and to make his appeal and all of those things. Under house arrest for well over two years, he awaited his trial. But it was eventually executed. Uh, and we learn that not from scripture, but from one of the early religious writers by the name of Ignatius. We learn that Paul was martyred in Rome because of his proclaiming that Jesus was the truth and the way and the life. 
So it begs a couple of questions to be answered or asked. Did Paul have more of a transformative experience with Jesus than Judas did by living with Jesus for three and a half years? I mean, which one was had a greater advantage? Which one do you relate with better? Like I said earlier, most of us, you know, feel like if we had been there with the disciples, you know, we wouldn't have been one of the ones that turned away. No, we would have been convinced by all of the miracles and all of those things and and it would have had a positive effect on our on our hearts, on our unbelieving hearts, but eh, not so much with Judas, right? And we look at Paul and we see this guy who was, you know, persecuting people. He's watching this Stephen is being killed and he's he's throwing these Christians in jail left and right. Which one had the greater advantage? It's the question that you and I, we all have to ask. We all have to answer too. So what is the defining difference between the two of these people? Well, other than, you know, the very details of each one of their lives, I think the difference is in what they were willing to give up, if you think about it. You see, Judas held on to all of his worldly attachments. Judas held on to the things that he felt were assured, things that were somewhat controlled by him, things that he could do or accomplish or plan, and, you know, his own destiny, so he thought. He held on to his money and status and all of the worldly things. But consider that the worldly things that Judas held on to, they were things that talked about today. This is what's going on today. This is where I'm at today. The things that Jesus talked about and promoted, they were all about tomorrow. This is what's going to take place tomorrow. My kingdom is not of this world. It's, it's coming, but it, it's not until tomorrow. You see, Paul, he let go of the things that he realized were temporal and that they were fleeting. Uh, he, even though he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, even though he was well-respected, even though he had, you know, basically the church, you know, the, the, the temple church behind him and all the things that he was doing, he realized that he needed to let those things go and submit his life to the will and the testimony of who Christ is. He knew what to let go of, whereas Judas really didn't. Judas tried to have it both ways. He wanted to be a, a disciple. He wanted all the good things, but then again, he couldn't stop looking out for himself and the worldly things that would bring him, you know, maybe some peace or contentment or satisfaction at the moment. He wasn't worried too much about the future. Paul understood. He understood that everything that I have today, everything that I've gained today, it's nothing, absolutely nothing, in comparison to knowing Jesus for who Jesus is. You know, one of the saddest things in the world to me is is someone like Judas that can't make the choice. I remember when I was back in the Sears Everett area, there was a man, an older man there, that I came to know over a period of three or four weeks. And he was very ill, 
and but he was a he seemed to be a good guy. He seemed to be a good man. He was respected uh, by his family and he had some notoriety in the community. Uh, he you know he talked a good talk and his family was you know seemed good and they honored him and cared for him and loved him and but he was also a Christian. But he also was dying. And during those conversations that I had with him over those couple of weeks, um, he just couldn't let go. He could not let go of the things that he had planned and worked hard for and in his life and that he expected in the end. And he, he could not let go of them. They were stumbling block to him. You see, that was the difference between Judas and the Apostle Paul. Paul knew what a stumbling block was all about. And even though it was extremely costly for Paul to give up those things that he had accomplished in the past, he knew that those were also the things that would keep him out of a saving relationship with Jesus. Now, remember the scripture that I quoted to you earlier. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, for my sake, you will save it. As we compare these two individuals this morning, I hope that that gives us a new perspective of what this confusing scripture is all about. You see what... What Jesus is saying here is that, you know, if, if you try and do it all on your own and you, you try and accomplish and, and hold on to the things that you can see and maybe are under your control right now, then you're not living for me. But if you give up those things, then you can live for me and you can live openly and freely and you can live knowing that you're Identity in your future is absolutely secure. So that's the challenge for each one of us. And I hope and I pray that each one of you will think about these things. Take a look at the lives uh, that we've mentioned today and, and last week. And just think about what it is that becomes or has become an obstacle for each one of us in your life, in my life. 